afternoon, everybody. This is uh, Jason Powers from West Lafayette. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, uh, teachers and schools, um, vaccine in Europe, uh, the increased murder rates in uh, 2020, and then we're going to discuss in a section on uh, changing this uh, situation at a local and in state and federal level, and what my thoughts are on that and how I think we should go about that. Hopefully you all appreciate the broadcast, and um, we'll go from there. Hello again. Uh, this is uh, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm uh, coming to you from West Lafayette. And uh, we're going to go over a few articles. Uh, and the, the idea of this broadcast is going to be about narratives and changes. Um, those who control the narrative generally get what they want. And for the last, uh, I guess, several years, uh, our media has been pushing a certain narrative. And so um, it's nice to see uh, people are trying to push back against that and we need to change the narrative in this country because it's a it's a toxic narrative I think most of us can agree to that if I think there's many many millions of good people you know hardworking people across the board in all kinds of uh, scenarios and I think uh, we've just been undermined by people who who don't care about that so we're going to start with, uh, actually, the title. This is from Revolver News. It's called, uh, The January 6th Narrative Collapse, Assault Charges Spell Problems for the DOJ, FBI, and Officer uh, Sicknick Case. So, if you're not aware, you know, obviously there's been a, a host of uh, things that have been said about January 6th, about, you know, who's who's involved, what they're doing, and how they're doing it. And uh, Darren Beatty, who's uh, been doing a lot of good work on this, has uh, captured and, and underlined that, for example, the charges that have actually come out of this ca case. Uh, there were two people that were uh, uh, charged with assault on a federal officer with a dangerous weapon. Uh, they weren't charged with, uh, they were charged with a host of crimes, but all of them are, you know, minimal in comparison to that. There's three counts of that. Conspiring to injure an officer, civil disorder, obstructing or impeding. The reason why this is important because they, we were all told that this was a murder and that this was done intentionally, and that has not been, you know, it's a deadly or dangerous weapon. But uh, those, uh, that's under USC code, uh, it's 18 USC uh, 111. So, anyway, uh, we were fed, we've been fed a line, and this is these uh, charges were released on March 15th, and they've charged two men. Uh, Pennsylvania and a West Virginia guy. Um, I'm not, uh, their names are Julian Eli uh, Kekner of State College, Pennsylvania, and George Pierre uh, Tanios, 39, of Morgantown, West Virginia. They were arrested on Sunday in connection with the complaint filed in the federal court in Washington, D.C., charging them with conspiring to injure officers and assaulting federal officers. Um, so, in ordinary circumstances, uh, according to Beatty, quote, in ordinary circumstances, these distinctions would be meaningless since at the legal level, dangerous and deadly are effectively the same thing on a weapons charge. But at a narrative level, it means everything. The question of whether the events of January 6th were only dangerous versus actually deadly is effectively the dividing line between a, a situation getting out of line 
in quote-unquote domestic terrorism. And so the criminal masterminds, the duo charged or not, uh, Julian Kettner, 32, runs a smoothie shop called Fruta Bowls in Penn State College Town in Pennsylvania. And George uh, Tanios, 39, runs a sandwich shop, trademark a sandwich you, or king of the fat sandwich in West Virginia. So, you know, the two men evidently were childhood friends in New Jersey. So in May 2020, Tanos appeared to have filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. So he probably, I mean, this is into uh, this is to paint these two as probably real people. Um, this is Beatty's narrative too. They're just they were, uh, you know, they're friends. They've, and if you look at them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, con- you wouldn't proclaim the things that they, that our media would love to proclaim about them. Of course, they're probably right now spinning a narrative and 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 doing background checks and trying to find somebody who knew them way back when that has a vendetta against them to to paint them in a uh, darker light. But the, the the key question is, they were charged with assault, not murder. Recall that murder was both the mainstream media and Congress uh, unrelenting meme for the first whole month following the events of uh, 1-6, culminating in a full-on impeachment uh, conviction at the House of Representatives. After Revolver News and other outlets debunked the initial fire, extingu- fire extinguisher hoax, the narrative transferred from murdered by MAGA to died from injuries caused by MAGA. So, you know, like I said, they're trying to, con- they've been, they've been smearing an entire uh, movement uh, with this allegation. And I started there because um, there's just, uh, he, he, a matter of fact, this article, he, he does a number of, of a meme uh, to kind of display the, the concept of what's going on. There's a there's a dam here, and you know they're trying to flood the the, the key the key insight here is there's the uh, a Sitnik was uh, cremated immediately after the situation, immediately afterwards, and the the toxicology report hasn't come out uh, in regards to uh, cause of death and what what may have underlined this guy guy's departure. By cremating him, there's no way to do any further analysis on on the body or exhume the body from from uh, if they had buried him in a normal manner. So why was that done? I mean, what what motivations could be had for uh, cremating him immediately and in, in causing this situation? Uh, causing it makes it easier for the FBI and the DOJ to to spin up a bunch of. Uh, overcharge, which is what they did, because oh, as it turns out, uh, the charges hold. Uh, they have, um, <clears throat> they've uh, come up with. Uh, I think it was a 60, 60 year charging. So they're overcharging these uh, these men in, in hopes to get a, a plea deal or get a conviction on them right away, and then they can say, "See, see, we we got him conv- uh, convicted." So Tanios is facing six years in prison which is considerably more more time than for a typical first degree murder. So like I said, and the and when he says 60 when you're facing that many years they're trying to intimidate the person into a plea bargain because uh obviously he doesn't want to spend because uh, if they if the federal government spends their resources on convicting you, they're going to give you the maximum sentence. I know there's a uh, everybody thinks that sentencing hearings are you know, meant to be fair, but the, I mean, we already know that this isn't going to be about fairness. This is about, 
uh, about them retaliating against the entire movement in order to paint a picture about the movement. So I'll move on from that article. I think I spent enough time on that. Uh, <clears throat> so Europe, uh, Europe has uh, done a vaccine suspension on uh, on uh, they, they, the New York Times spins it. This is again the narrative. European vaccine suspension may be driven as much by politics as science, which is kind of interesting considering how much politics has been in, inserted into these uh, into these lockdowns and mask mandates and all this other garbage. It's been all political. It's all been to create the narrative that you that everybody should be fearful and worried about this virus instead of worrying about how we could fix the problem. It's been about controlling the problem, and by controlling the problem, they mean controlling people. It's not about uh, uh, actually treating people as human beings and, and giving them their liberty while trying to come up with ways to solve the underlying issue of a corona or a flu or a pandemic virus. Um, if that was the case, we would have been done that way. Um, rational people, uh, this is what happens when you give authoritarians too much, uh, gives, give authoritarians our government, our, uh, politi- uh, poli- they have policing powers and they have... Uh, um, direct, they can uh, issue draconian measures and they can keep you under their thumb. This is the one part of uh, having a state that can be detrimental to our society, especially when the people uh, don't have a voice. See, we didn't, make these, we didn't make these calls on this particular thing. They've been using this entire health uh, crisis that they created to control people throughout the world. And that's just my opinion on it. So it says here, um, so let me see here, what's a good paragraph that I, I remember? Um, uh, I forget, I was looking at, there was a, something that summed up this. Um, so by Tuesday, some governments were already recasting their decisions as a step to buck up uh, confidence in vaccinations, a regrouping of sorts of a troubled effort. But for now, the suspension seems certain to have it have the opposite effect, further delaying Europe, Europe's stumbling rollout and perhaps putting at risk hundreds or, or thousands more lives. Um, I, I highly doubt that the vaccination is uh, the, 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 the key problem. Plus, uh, it's amazing how quickly they rolled out this vaccination without the safety protocols necessary. Okay, next. Uh, analysis say Analysts say the delays will make it exceedingly difficult for any European country to meet a goal of vaccinating 70% of residents by September. I didn't know it was a, there should be any kind of goal of how, what percentage of the population you want to have vaccinated, but okay. And raise pressure on governments to, uh, to secure vaccines that have not been yet authorized by the bloc's regulators. Um, it, it's, it's just... Uh, let's see the clin- and here's a, another quote the clinical trials of the AstraZeneca and other vaccines were large enough that they would have have they would have raised an alarm about any common side effects scientists scientists say didn't say who just says scientists but rare events were most likely to surface only once mass inoculations began uh well <laughs> isn't that a ain't that a, a, a catch <laughs> so they're saying that they're, and then here's another paragraph. No causative link has emerged between the vaccine and blood clots or severe bleeding, and the European Union's medicines agency has said the vaccine should remain in use. 
Health officials in Europe on Tuesday said that the concerns had less to do with the low number of low number of clotting problems than with their unusual manifestations, especially in younger people. Hmm. Well, if uh, aren't you you know younger people? I mean, they. <laughs> Isn't that highly important and relevant? I mean, if a person gets uh, gets uh, handicapped for the rest of their life by taking an experimental vaccine, because this is experimental. I mean, no one can, no one, no scientist can sit there and say, "Oh yes, they've they've got everything all figured out with this uh, the vaccine and the variations of the coronavirus." And the, instead of if they would have let, the, here's another thing too, if they would have let this, if they would have had no lockdowns, accepted. And done whatever they could therapeutically to help people. Let the let the, let the virus spread very fast. Let everybody get in, t- in contact with it. Then you would have developed uh, an enormous amount of herd immunity, and you would have had very low deaths ongoing. You would have created fewer va- uh, variations. The virus would burn itself out quickly. Instead, they they kept on doing this lockdown open, lockdown open. You know why? Because they wanted to keep the problem, and they wanted to they. they the more, the longer the virus hangs around, the more likelihood it has to vary and become endemic. But it'll also, um, it's going to, because because of the fact that we don't know everything about this virus, uh, when I say everything, I mean as much as it's been studied, uh, as far as how it, it, it will transform and, and turn into a more, uh, turn into different uh, uh, variations on the, on the main virus. Um, we didn't know how it would interact with people. And I think that's a, that's a, they're doing exactly, they're playing their, the people that were in charge of this whole entire operation had to have, have to have some uh, ulterior motive for doing everything worldwide. There was an ulterior motive to this. It's obvious because they did, they took every, uh, they took every aspect of this to hustle everybody into certain scenarios to cause an enormous amount of worldwide stress, and and guess what? Who else but China could be behind a lot of this? And how many of those people were paid off? Um, we won't know, but until, because we don't have uh, we don't have the investig uh, we don't have the investigatory powers uh, at uh, 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 to be to make this happen, in my opinion. So. And that, I mean, I know that's a, you know, you know, everybody says, well, that's very conspiratorial. But um, when you see the things that they've been trying to hustle up on this, and I'm not the only one that's noticed this. Virologists have noticed this. Epidemiologists, I'm, I'm actually linked into a lot of these people directly, and I see their posts. I see what they say. We've had conversations, um, you know, not, not actual conversations, but uh, like everybody else online. Um, there's they 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 see there's serious problems with the way these people are entertaining uh, very dangerous uh, paths to destruction of our our communities. And here are, here are the results of this. So the next article is murder rate remains elevated as New York a new crime reporting system begins. Oh, uh, so. <laughs> This is from the New York Times, and it's uh, from a little segment called Upshot. So here's the subheading. The switch in data collection will be a quote-unquote leap forward. 
by the short term, it may hurt the public's ability to evaluate key trends during a volatile period. I love that term, leap forward. Uh, you remember uh, from history, the great leap forward, uh, I mean, uh, was uh, used uh, for the Mao. Uh, he, he basically uh, turned on pure communism and killed off 45 million people. Even the New York Times could admit that. So that's a loaded lingua. And they put it in quotes. So they wanted to draw your attention to this leap forward uh, concept. So whoever does, whoever wrote this article or whoever whoever was pushing that particular insert there really um, was uh, leaving tra uh, uh, trying to uh, create a narrative once again. Uh, and it isn't a leap forward; it's probably a leap backward. So anyway, the big increase in the murder rate in the uh, United States in tw uh, 2020 has carried over into 2021 exactly what they wanted. See, crime had been uh, falling significantly uh, over the past, um, uh, actually, the past 20 years, but the murder rate had been down, I think, the, I think in 2017. I actually can go and find those numbers, but uh, I, I, I put a link, in it, a link in the description to a book uh, where I discuss crime uh, in detail. I gathered all the FBI statistics from uh, from uh, 2018 uh, and I did some analysis based upon uh, population and the, the as of 2019 so and then I did it on Leo's the amount of uh, cops that were listed in each jurisdiction and I cite all my sources and I give you links I provide links to all those so when I uh, when it was all said and done I I accessed about uh, 30 different websites uh, because a lot of the FBI statistics are, are have missing data from, like, for example, uh, New York State, Spokane, Washington, Texas, North Carolina, uh, Michigan, Kentucky, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Greensboro, uh, Durham. A lot of places in North Carolina, their, their crime statistics had to be accessed differently, uh, uh, had to be accessed at the local level because uh, the FBI uh, had holes in their statistics. So, what I, what what this the funny thing is is they said they did a sample. They said a sample of thirty seven cities with data available for the first three months show, of this year show murders are up eighteen percent relative to the same period last year. So eighteen percent uh, up from last year over the same period, and if it's the first three months, uh, that tells you I mean a substantial rise. And that's what they wanted. If you're a Democrat, because they wanted to they want to cause they cause the problem, and now they're going to act like they need, you know, they're going to say, well, we need different methods because we got to make it more safe. Crime had been, like I said, crime had been on the decline for the last twenty years significantly under Trump's administration. It had been down every year, like one or two percent over over a, a cornucopia of crimes like assault, uh, battery, uh, robberies. Murders, rape, etc. Most of those were uh, uh, going down significantly. Uh, crime, crime wasn't the issue. Uh, wasn't an issue that was even brought up in the debates. Uh, by the way, I don't think, even though they were bringing up, all they did was cover. They cover crime with racial justice, which is, uh, and, and of course they turned everything into a um, a fight there. But all this stuff can be found in. And what I wrote, uh, you can look at the analysis. It's a it's a free download, and you can uh, 
you can debate what I you can debate how I got my numbers, but you can't debate the numbers. Um, I do it for the top 100 cities. You'll see a analysis of violence per square mile, so violent crimes as they're identified. Um, de uh, democratic dominance, so I have a listing of whether who's in charge of the uh, the city by party, uh, the number of officers they had in 2018, uh, the amount of property. Uh, a property crime per square mile so I include property damage so for example according to statistics so if we look at uh, say property so for example San Francisco has the highest highest amount of uh, property crime per square per square mile at uh, over a thousand a thousand and fifty um, incidents per square mile um, to put that in perspective uh, like, for example, Miami, Florida is at 467. That's a big city. Uh, New York is 424. Uh, Chicago is 380. Now, violence per square mile. So New York City, uh, by I, I got this listed by population. So New York City, violence is at 152.9. That doesn't make it the most violent city, but it is very violent. San Francisco is at 131. Uh, District of Columbia is at 108. Uh, by by measure and by example, Austin, Texas is 11.9. And even though that is Austin, Austin, Texas is currently run by a Democrat. So I didn't I didn't hide the fact of who who's been in charge. But I I do a, a fair amount and then I do a linear regression on this. I just want to go down that road real quick because um, uh, it leads to the next uh, charge. So we've had a serious uh, failure in our education system an la teacher i'm quoting from the daily mail la teachers union leader blames white wealthy parents for the rush to reopen schools after governor newsom reveals plan to pay dist uh, pay districts to get schools get uh, students back in classrooms quicker so one of the biggest problems in this country right now is that we have teachers unions who have who have blackmailed us into believing that they're the that they're they're a special and that they have more to fear from this virus than anybody else and the fact is is they know that the the transmission rate amongst kids to adults is rather low and it has been for months we've known this for months and months and months and yet uh these uh teachers unions have been blackmailing uh, everybody and now all these parents are getting extremely frustrated I'm going to play a few audio cl clips that will lead into our final section which is how we're going to go uh, how I think we should go about changing this <clears throat> so from the article a Los Angeles teacher a teachers union leader has blamed white wealthy parents for their push to reopen schools in the area after California governor Gavin Newsom revealed the state had reached a deal to f get fund to deal to fund getting children back in classrooms. The United Teachers Los Angeles, which is the union that represents staff in the LA, uh, LA Unified School District, fears that Newsom school reopening plan will favor the white and wealthy, wealthier schools in neighborhoods where COVID is less prevalent. See, they're, they just, in, 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 all they're doing is in, 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 um, inserting race into everything. And, and this is just poison. It's just poison to the core, and it's. Uh, and we'll go into that further. It's the latest in a series of controversial statements from the school boards in California, with the entire o um, Oakland unit uh, union 
Elementary School District resigning last month after a member said parents wanted schools open so they could sit at home and smoke pot. <laughs> uh, and that tells you, and it just, this goes to show you why you shouldn't let, let some of these people uh, teach your kids anymore because they're just nothing but poison to the, our society. So we're going to play a couple, uh, we're going to play three clips uh, back to back to back uh, from uh, uh, that shows us what the real problems are and a potential solution. And we'll discuss that. So uh, just bear with me for a second. Okay. Okay. Our industry is just like the rest of the country. You know, COVID hurt us bad last year. We had a lot of projects canceled. So we've got guys that haven't worked in months, and in some cases years. And uh, to have a project of this magnitude canceled, it's it's going to hurt a lot of people, a lot of families, uh, a lot of communities. The Keystone is something that's we've been trying to build for a decade now, and uh, uh, it's been a, a really hot political, uh, you know, fight. Uh, but we finally got started on it this year. I was working in Nebraska building uh, a pump station. But, uh, you know, as soon as the, the new administration came in on day one, they decided they want to put 11,000 people out of work. <laughs> Basically, it was the moment that he signed uh, the executive order. You know, it was about two o'clock Thursday when we were told that we're not going to progress any further. But we took a couple of days packing our stuff up and uh, we actually got laid off Friday and I'll be taking my unemployed self back to Arkansas in the morning. <laughs> Because of the situation the country's in right now, uh, this is not a time to be making political statements. Uh, we need to be finding ways to put more Americans back to work, not the other way around. Uh, so I was, I was very surprised. More good-paying union jobs will be created in the context of the climate and infrastructure work that we have before us uh, than uh, has been impacted by other decisions. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good-paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. It's not that easy, you know what I mean? And I don't consider this a job. I consider it a career, and you spend a lifetime, you know, fine-tuning your skills and, and, and advancing yourself. And you go start another job, you're starting at the bottom and trying to work your way up. And we're not talking about men and women that are just out of high school, just starting out in life. We're talking about people that have mortgage payments. Uh, they've got kids to feed, insurance to provide. Uh, when you start over in life, uh, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Uh, I doubt that these politicians uh, would like it if someone told them to go start over and find a different job. <laughs> I, I can't understand how the pipeline industry has become the villains, you know, because American public, they don't understand, but by not building this pipeline, it's not going to keep the oil from getting to the market. It's already coming. It's coming by rail car. It's coming by trucks. Just always believe that a pipeline is a, a lot safer. And we know as well, too, that the country is moving, you know, to cleaner energy in a greener direction. But it's not something that's going to happen overnight. You can't just flip a switch and go from fossil fuels to renewable energy. You know, I think the government's going about it the wrong way. If they want to start developing that infrastructure, they can, but you can't you know, get rid of us at the same time. Uh, it bothers me when, uh, you know, they're overseas uh, 
setting up family members to profit off of the same thing they want to stop here in America. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely aggravating. <laughs> but I'm not exaggerating when I say uh, I'm nervous. Uh, sometimes I don't sleep well. And I'm in the process of uh, trying to live the American dream right now. I'm building a house and uh, the bank may own it before I ever get a chance to live in it. <laughs> so I'm definitely worried. So there you go. There's uh, That was... Um... Neil Crabtree, he was talking about the XL pipeline. Um, just so, oh, by the way, uh, Warren Buffett owns the rail that will probably be used to transport the the that uh, oil that's coming out of the ground, irrespective of uh, anybody's uh, wanting to stop it. So the Keystone Pipeline or the XL Keystone Pipeline uh, being uh, nixed and then You've seen energy prices increase, uh, gas prices increase. I mean, that's where we see it uh, most visibly at the pump. Again, the narrative on this clean energy, it's quite interesting considering Texas just had a major power failure, uh, centralization, and all the wind turbines down there, they had to be um, assisted in order to keep them uh, operating down there, a freak ice storm. And, of course, you know, the climate, they... They they had to they had to turn up the the narrative there on the climate hustle. So uh, we're gonna play a next clip. This is uh, from the L.A. County uh, L.A. School, uh, the Unified District. Right now, right now, right now. What do we want it now? Right now. Lydia Friend is the ferocious advocate behind this rally. She's the founder of Women of Watts, as concerned a grandmother as you'll ever find. Our babies are falling behind. She sees teachers passing students who aren't learning anything. So they're pushing our babies along. And when they get out into the real world, they don't know nothing. Why? Because you didn't teach them like you were supposed to. You use our tax dollars and did what you want to do with it. And, and today we say, what? No! No more! No more! No more! Lydia knows what every educator knows. There's no replacing the learning dynamics of the live, in-person classroom experience. It's about communication. It's about talking to one another. Not just sitting there on Zoom trying to figure it out. Or too scared to say that. They need to interact. They need to be able to use their brains, talk, share. Lydia Friend's message to the schools is clear. Get the teachers in the classroom and teach my grandchildren. And we're going to keep on protesting. We're going to keep on talking. We're going to get louder and louder until it's done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're going to teach them so that when they get out into the real world, they're educated. They can go on to college, to universities, and become something productive in life. They will not be a statistic. You know living here. Yeah. The value of that education. Yes, I do. And not only that, our, our young men's 12 and 13, 14 years old out of school, when they get through Zooming, they're being recruited into gangs. There you go. So that's someone on the ground that's trying to um, affect change by going, you know, holding rallies, uh, presenting her arguments, uh, preventing the, the emotional support. And she knows. Uh, this morning she was up. She appeared on the War Room, uh, uh, a show that's been running for about the last year. And of course, the people there will be people out there that dislike that that particular show because of who's attached to it. But um, they took the time to interview her, let her speak her piece, let her say what she needed to say. Uh, and she's dealing with, you know, she has grandbabies that she's taking care of. Uh, the black community has been, you know, sorely impacted over the past sixty years by. Uh, this social engineering that has been taking place. 
uh, to destroy the family and it's hit, hit everybody but it's really it's really starkly hit the uh, the black community uh, in particular um, and I I know about that firsthand uh, I've dealt I've uh, uh, been in, uh, been in uh, contact with uh, um, the actual outcomes of that particular circumstance uh, from my own experiences and talked with and discussed this um, for example at one point uh, I uh, I had to assist I tried to assist a guy in getting his GED um, because of the failures of the educational uh, school system so I was helping him with his math and I was helping him with with uh, understanding and reading and so he could take the GED in order to uh, achieve uh, uh, the goal of uh, getting a, a, a time cut on on his uh, sentence in, in jail so I was helping him uh, you, know, you know directly and I remember you know it, I could I could see that he was just he I had to create problems for him and stuff like that, and I could see that you know the only thing that really the only thing that really matters at least in that in that context is they is the the ability for somebody to care about what they are what they are and it help them uh, achieve because for the most part everybody can be taught and can can learn a great deal, um, but you have to find a way to teach the material to them. You know, whether it's a visual presentation or in this case, what's the problem is that there's a lack of uh, social social connection. These kids need need in-class instruction. They need, uh, teachers know this, they say 93% of, of uh, communication is nonverbal. So if you've got that amount of nonverbal communication, how are you going to teach over a Zoom call to somebody? And they know this. They, these people, uh, they're they're well aware of that. They've been exploiting the situation to to get paid for doing nothing. Uh, I, I honestly, I wouldn't. I would go so far as to think that some of these people are doing it because they think they're owed something, they're owed like reparations for this particular circumstance. So we're gonna finish off with a final clip here, and we'll go we'll go from there. Those are the criteria that I advocate, that Revolver advocates, and I think most of your viewers would embrace. The issue here is this document. Let me read from this document. The issue here is from this Congressional Leadership Fund. And with a name like that, you already know it's a joke. I'm sorry to say, like, with a name like that, it's going to be a joke. But the Congressional Leadership Fund, what do they have to say about the Republicans outperforming expectations in 2020? Did they outperform expectations because the other side was em embracing destructive race riots throughout the city? Did they outperform because the other side was embracing even more destructive and unnecessary lockdown policies? No, they say. They suggest the reason that all of these 15 seats Republicans were able to flip, they were won by women, minority, or a veteran. They're emphasizing precisely these identity characteristics that the left has made its its raison d'etre, its, its whole uh, uh, mode of being in emphasizing these identity characteristics. And the Republicans try to play that game. You saw it with the um, criminal justice reform, with the prison break, with, you know, the Kushner policies. It never works. 
It's always disappointing. It's always weak. And it never addresses and confronts the actual problems head on. So this piece is, says, look, we want the best people for the job, but not, let's not play that dumb identity game that the left invented. And by virtue of that invention, they're always going to play it better than us anyway. So let's not engage in a third rate version of an yeah. immoral way of viewing at politics. Let's run competent people serious people and people who actually reflect the agenda that Trump ran on in 2016. So, yeah, the, this is where this is the final change. This is the improvement portion of the broadcast, such as it is from, from my perspective. So in order to change this whole situation, um, there's been multiple people says that, or not just myself, but, um, we have to change our politics at a local level, which means that you need to get involved in the school boards. You need to be involved in the the police chiefs who 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 gets elected there. You know, are they pro pro law enforcement? Are they are they committed to uh, treating everybody the same on on uh, equality under the law? In other words, it doesn't matter what package uh, a person a perpetrator uh, comes in. You enforce the law on them uh, to the best of your ability um, and do it in a manner that's, you know, uh, upholds the values of the Constitution, uh, which means that you need to be trying to put in place the best law enforcement uh, people and people that are connected to the community. I think one of the problems that's come up is that we have law enforcement um, uh, people who are uh, not uh, embedded in their communities, especially in certain uh, localities. Um, they come from, you know, they may drive 15 or 20 miles out of their way to take a job. They don't live in the community. It's amazing how how committed you are to law enforcement if you're the one that actually has to live in the community. Uh, much the same could be said about teachers. I know I know from, uh, from what I've been told here at... Um, Purdue University that many of the teachers drive up from uh, Indianapolis or Lebanon. They don't live actually in uh, West Lafayette or Lafayette. They don't want to, they don't interact with their community. So they're divorced from their, divorced from their positions. They don't think they need to be, uh, they don't want to, they don't want to have too much contact with their students, but they don't want to have any involvement in their community. Oh, sure. There are some, but you know, the same could be said about law enforcement. So you should want people who are uh, on your town council, in your school board, uh, in your in your these are your pillars of your your community. You know, who's educating your kids? Who's uh, protecting your kids? Who's uh, who's uh, making uh, uh, legal um, laws uh, for your community? Those are absolutely necessary. And you wanted to start at the local commu uh, local level. You should know. You should get involved in all those aspects. Um, at the higher level, so um, the the change process starts with the uh, culture. And the idea is we do have an American culture. Uh, it has been fractured over the last decade by forces that have have made it their their objective to tear down this country one way or another, and they're evil for doing that because this country isn't based upon the things that they think it is because they've uh, got this narrative spin spun up through the media through education that they poisoned uh, that we need to change. But culture is contagious, and it needs to be consistent. 
Uh, you know, we, we have a constitution. The bedrock of our country is based upon the constitution that, that we live under, or we, or that we shall live under. Uh, otherwise, you don't have a country. Uh, and why I say that's because the Constitution is supposed to um, it's supposed to uh, be embedded in all our laws. Our laws, uh, our local laws, our state laws, our federal laws should be a reflection of our Constitution. And in many cases, they aren't because we've let too many poisonous characteristics get imbibed into that that situation. And I don't really care about people who argue against that. The reason why there needs to be a strict construction of how we are supposed to interpret things isn't because uh, we can't change laws to fit uh, to to move with society. Rather, um, we need laws that are consistent with uh, the moral foundations of our country, uh, and those foundations worked in many respects, not in all respects, uh, for you know eight generations or ten generations depending upon how you measure generations and we've made pivots along the way but we've also had um, recently we've had undermining uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on beating it home but uh, Obama in 2011 pushed forward the Dear Colleague letter and he destroyed due process on college campuses uh, related to crimes uh, specifically sexual allegations and that was a reprehensible thing to be done by him. Reprehensible. for And he considers himself a constitutional scholar. Well, he's a constitutional idiot. And, and when he pushed that forward, I, I no longer supported anything that guy ever did after that. So communication. Communication is collaboration and connection. Uh, we need to communicate better. We know that our students learn better from that communication. They have to be, and um, in, in, by connecting, connecting is touching and being close by each other. This whole pandemic's been about dividing and conquering. That's the reason why they pushed the social distancing. And the funny thing is, it came out recently that uh, three feet was all it was needed, which three feet is actually the same circle of, uh, a circle around most people that most people feel comfortable with. If someone's three feet away from them, they're pretty comfortable with them, uh, not inter invading their personal space. Six feet puts people just a, just far enough away from them so that they feel like they're they're uh, they're not really um, interacting with them. Uh, there was a reason for that. They knew they knew psychologically that would have an impact. The people that have been pushing this at the CDC and the Health and Human Services have been running a psychological manipulation campaign on the entire country, and really it needs to stop. Um, they've. Uh, They've done this purposely to get everybody scared of each other so that they can gin up the propaganda, which they've done, and demoralized us further. And this also comes from China, too, because China was pushing this narrative online through Twitter and all the other uh, uh, usual suspects, including Facebook. Um, so the idea that we need to be connected and collaborate is important, and we need commitment, you know. Without commitment... Uh, Commitment drives your care and your character and whether what you're willing to contribute because once you're committed to something you can you uh, you attain your um, your ability to care further about other individuals grows as you, you know, make a, a commitment to do something 
you, you because you you invest in that you invest you're invested you're personally invested and then eventually your 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 caring becomes greater because the more personal investment it's just a natural it's a it's a feedback loop and it develops your character because obviously the more committed you are to certain certain tasks the more the more character you can uh, uh, develop and that goes actually technically it goes both ways because people with um, uh, that are committed to evil they're committed to their bad characteristics again there's a feedback mechanism there um, and of course uh, you have to contribute whatever you can and not all contributions are, are about monetary contributions I think everybody defaults to that with uh, these circumstances when they should be looking at contributions is more about uh, being involved showing up time is more more important than money technically it really is uh, I think most people as you get older you f realize that uh, if you could buy more time you would surely surely do it uh, so you have to make a, uh, you start assessing uh, time more valuably uh, whereas when you're younger obviously time to goof off is important to is uh, more of a priority so and that affects change and um, the final part of this is so I think um, what we need to elect for leaders or people that we need to have involved in stuff we need people that are involved in STEM that are that work in businesses we need doctors we need engineers we need scientists we don't need more lawyers I don't have anything against lawyers but if that's the only thing they know how to do is be a lawyer I don't really necessarily see them as very important to a, a further a ground up movement uh, I'm not saying that there can't be any lawyers amongst them but they should have other characteristics about them lawyers and activists and activists I'm just saying if that's their primary thing that they've been doing all their life there's a problem generally with them there's there should be some suspicion with that you should want somebody who who spent 10 years uh, running and operating a business who who got destroyed by this COVID uh, uh, pandemic or a doctor who who spoke out I I had a chance in the fall I, I talked with a, a, a uh, doctor who was out in Oregon who was uh, railing he was an Air Force he actually was an Air Force officer and he got uh, he got in trouble with the Oregon uh, State Licensing Board so we did a uh, his name was Steve I'm not gonna mention his last name but he uh, he was out there uh, trying to fight against the lockdowns and against a host of other things that were going on in the medical field and he was uh, smacked on the hand for his uh, um, his entertainment of, uh, of, of supporting, you know, uh, the presidency, uh, the host of things. And it goes to show you that you, there's going to be risks involved with being involved in such things, but it depends upon, you know, do you want this country to succeed or not? You're going to have to, you're going to have to risk your, your, uh, you may have to risk your livelihood. You may risk your freedom. I mean, we always uh, there's a picture from the nineteen early nineteen sixties or I think it was nineteen sixty two. It was uh, you know of course it was probably a staged the way it was, but uh, it does it it was a uh, imagery is uh, has a lot to do with changing narratives. So Martin Luther King was uh, sitting in a Birmingham jail, and uh, you know it showed him sitting there you know in a pensive mode, 
and you know optics are what you know, one thing the left does know how to do is optics and they know how to you know use identity politics but from a uh, ongoing effort to change the narrative we need to be more willing to risk these uh, you know risk our our freedoms in order to or you know for example I've been going into Speedway for the last oh six weeks uh, without a mask on, even though it's required in in this locality. And I know other people who have been pushing that, but no one says anything to me. And the I I'm a customer, know the the people who work behind the counter and have been for uh, actually several years. Um, but I haven't had anybody say anything to me. Um, I'm sure uh, some people just seem think that I just ignored it, but. I'm purposely trying to push those boundaries. Um, and, and it's no big shake on my part, but um, we need to, I mean, I don't ever wear it anyway, uh, but just the only time you ever do is because like Target and other stores, which is another thing too, we have to start shopping in different places and, and changing our behaviors in order to make some kind of impact on on our society, which means build new businesses, build new educational platforms we need to be competitive with these people that are that are uh that have the control of our um institutions at, at present our technology our science our universities um since they're in and since they have embedded themselves so deeply in the poison uh we we have to fight on two fronts we need to rid them from our our, our institutions because they're poisoning them and we also need to be, have a plan B, which is to create uh, new and better institutions that are based upon truth and liberty and and less and mo- most importantly, decentralization of power. And a good pivot off that is the fact that um, we need to change up our Congress. And one of the ways that we could uh, Im- improve our outlook in the future is that we have to find a way to uh, take back not only the Senate but the House, obviously, and we need to run candidates that uh, can stand against all of these people, because the vast majority of them are bought and paid for. So, I'm going to go through a list of the 2022 uh, senatorial candidates, and uh, if you're listening and you're in that state, you can you can uh, you'll at least know who who's standing in your state. So, from 2022. These are, these are the candidates that need to be uh, um, we need to run against. So Arizona is Mark Kelly, Florida is Marco Rubio, Georgia is Raphael Warnock, uh, Missouri. Uh, Roy Blunt is no longer he's going to be he's not running in 2022. He's a Republican, so we need to find a candidate that can uh, secede him in a red state or red, obviously. North Carolina is Richard Burr. He's an incumbent that's not running again. He's also a Republican. Uh, New Hampshire, uh, Maggie Hansen. Uh, Nevada, Catherine uh, Masto. Ohio, Rob Portman, who is an incumbent that's not running. So I know there is a candidate that's already standing in Ohio there. I forget what her name is. Uh, Pennsylvania, Patrick Toomey, who's an incumbent who's not running. He's a Republican. I don't know if we have a follow-up on that. And Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, who's been drawing a lot of heavy fire. Um, I know I've heard different things about him in terms of his um, support and, and non-support of of, uh, of America and, and whatnot. So I'm not going to get into that. 
but I would like to say that you know if we can if we need to remove him from office in terms of finding a candidate to stand against him, then maybe that's what we should do. Um, let's see, Alaska Lisa Murkowski, uh, she definitely needs to go. Uh, Alabama Richard Shelby, uh, Arkansas John Boozman, uh, California Alex uh, Padilla, uh, Colorado uh, Michael Bennett. Uh, Connecticut, Richard Blumenthal, we definitely need to get rid of him uh, in terms of uh, getting him out of office. Let me clarify that because everybody likes to take everything out of context. Uh, Hawaii, Brian Schatz. Iowa, Chuck Grassley, he's, I think he's like 85 years old. He, he definitely needs to, needs to step aside. He's been, he hasn't exactly done his job. Uh, I, Idaho, Mike Crapo. Don't know much about him, but I what I know probably isn't that good. Illinois, a Tammy Duckworth definitely need to primary uh, find some way to um, run against her and win in Republic uh, in uh, Illinois. But I know Illinois is a, a Democratic stronghold and has the same problems it always does. Indiana, Todd Young, um, he signed on to something recently that makes me think that he should be definitely. He should be primaried. He's a Republican. Kansas, Jerry Moran. Uh, Kentucky, Rand Paul. Uh, Rand Paul, uh, overall, I think Mr. Paul, being these, uh, I, 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 I support him. I think he has the right philosophies on most things. The problem is, is he's, he's probably in a very, um, <laughs> he's in a dark, he's in a dark cesspool and he's going to be, He's going to be overwhelmed by voices, but no, I think he's the best thing Kentucky has at this point. I wish his, uh, I wish his cohort uh, Mitch McConnell could be. I wish he was up for, uh, up for election. We we definitely need to get rid of him. Uh, L.A. John Kennedy, uh, uh, L.A. Uh, Louisiana John Kennedy, he's a good egg. I think he tries tries to to make uh, make good on his promises, but you know. He's one voice, uh, along with Paul, that probably are decent enough. But that being said, that doesn't mean I'm necessarily... I don't know everything about all these candidates. I'm sure somebody out there can have a disagreement there. Uh, Maryland, Chris Van Hollen definitely needs to be primary. Uh, um, he's a Democrat, so we need to find a candidate that can stand against him. Uh, Maryland is a Democratic stronghold, too, with all the Washington, D.C. spillover. North Dakota, John uh, Hoven. He's a he's a he's he's on his second term as a Republican. New York Chuck Schumer. I mean, if you're in New York and you're voting for Chuck Schumer, you're voting for your you're voting for your uh, globalist demise. So maybe there maybe you should entertain getting rid of Mr. Schumer since now he's he's the Speaker of the House or not the Speaker but um uh, Senate Majority Leader. Um, Oakland or um <laughs> Oakland. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, James Langford, he's a Republican. Oregon, Ron Wyden, he's a Democrat. Uh, South Carolina, Tim Scott, I mean, uh, he seems to be, he seems to be okay. I'm not going to, the Scots, uh, Rick Scott and Tim Scott are interesting. Um, they're wafflers. They're, they're, they do what they do when they do it. Uh, South, uh, South Dakota, John, uh, John Thune, yeah, he definitely needs to be primary Utah Mike Lee yep primary him uh, uh, Vermont uh, Patrick Leahy yep 
uh, and Washington Pat, uh, Patty Murray definitely. So there's there's a list of the thing is is they're going to have more money and therefore more power than all of us. But um, you, know, you got to start somewhere. You have to start at the the state and local uh, the start at the state and local level. But we have to do this immediately. And I have a my concept is that uh, that there needs to be some kind of meeting of the minds. We need to get the the people that are the grassroots leaders that we've uh, seen online, uh, people that are involved, uh, that have uh, have uh, that have the right values, who people recognize. Um, I'm I'm aware of a, a community of YouTubers that would be actually pretty good, just not because of YouTubers, but because you know they have at least philosophies on politics and whatnot that would, at the very least. Uh, there would be somebody that people would recognize um, and know like I'm not saying that they're perfect they but they understand business I mean they, they've been either running businesses or being involved and they've taken a shot and I'm not just saying youtubers but there's other people out there um, like the you know that un- understand where we're coming from and how important it is to support this country uh, I'm not going to name names because any name my name will be critiqued and analyzed and criticized but i think there needs to be some kind of uh, operation to, uh, to bring together uh, you know have a, a kind of a mini convention and um disperse uh, you know every state represented and every state bringing you know a handful of voices you know six or eight or maybe a dozen people and 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 come together and come up with a a um kind of a firming up of uh of making America great. I, I hate to use that moniker because I know it's a loaded moniker, but I, I think it's the right, it, it embodies and it's something that we already have that I think embodies what our population currently needs. We need to make this country great again. Um, no matter what you're uh, without the, you know, for those who, uh, you know, want to, uh, move move past Trump. That's fine. I think there there's a there's an opportunity for us to uh, make our own. What we, what we're after is changing the dynamics. That is the the DC overlords versus us, the American people. And I think that's where we need to head in the future. So we need to change that up. And I've uh, gone nearly an hour, and I think that's a good place to to end this uh, broadcast. So I play out my music, and I hope that everybody out there um, will uh, agree that we we can make a difference in this country again, and we can uh, change the dynamic that's been uh, operating in Washington D.C. for the last 60 years and been uh, ruining this country. Because this country can be great again, much greater. We can be. We can be a safe, independent nation that respects all people, and hopefully will uh, give us the largest to to allow people to come into this country and in, in a safe manner for themselves, their families, and we can start hosting once again all the great ideas that we 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 have espoused for 250 years. And we should continue to espouse. So thank you very much. I appreciate uh, coming to you. And I hope you have a great day.